In this house, Lord, this day we welcome you, our bridegroom, our king, savior, Lord, friend, baptizer, healer, deliverer, soon coming king. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you. Thank you for responding, flowing in that. Thank you, worship team. A story I'd like to begin with this morning. It's a story I've shared before, but it story the Lord reminded me of as I was um, preparing for the word today. And so it's um, a story that's entitled The Road of Life. And uh, many of you have heard it before, but I think it's a great picture to help us enter into uh, the word this morning. At first I saw God as my observer, my judge, keeping track of the things that I did wrong so as to know whether I merited heaven or hell when I die. He was out there sort of like a president, and I recognized his picture when I saw it, but I really didn't know him. But later on, when I met Christ, it seemed as though life were rather like a bike ride. But it was a tandem ride, and I noticed that Christ was in the back helping me pedal. Now, I don't know just when it was that he suggested we change places, but life has not been the same since. When I had control, I knew the way. It was rather boring, but predictable. It was the shortest point distance between two points. But when he took the lead, he knew delightful long cuts. Up mountains, through rocky places, at breakneck speeds, it was all I could do to hang on. Even though it looked like mag- madness, he said, Paddle. Now I worried and was anxious and asked, where are you taking me? He laughed and didn't answer, and I started to learn to trust. I forgot my boring life and entered into the adventure, and when I'd say, I'm scared, he'd lean back and touch my hand. He took me to people with gifts that I needed. Gifts of healing and acceptance and joy. And they gave me gifts to take on my journey, my lords and mine. And we were off again. And he said, give the gifts away. They're extra baggage. Too much weight. So, I did. To the people we met. And I found that in giving, I received and still... Our burden was light. I didn't trust him at first in control of my life. I thought that he'd wreck it. But he knows bike secrets. He knows how to bend it to take sharp corners. Knows how to jump to clear high rocks. Knows how to fly to shorten scary passages. And so I'm learning to shut up and pedal 
in the strangest places. And I'm beginning to enjoy the view and the cool breeze on my face with my delightful, constant companion, Jesus Christ. And when I'm sure that I just can't do any more, he just smiles and says, Pedal. That's a great picture to lead us into the final message in our series that we're doing here this January, entitled Kaleo, which means called. Back in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, the Apostle Peter writes these words actually to a people who are in the midst of a scary place that is far more scary than anything many of us have experienced, though many of you have come from places where you have experienced tremendous difficulties and challenges and, uh, and, and hardships beyond what many of us have experienced here. But he's speaking to a people who are in the midst of under-Roman occupation and really are in the midst of intense persecution. And he says, and he reminds them of this, and he says to them, but you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That you may declare the praises of Him who called you. It's those callings of the Lord that we're unpacking over these weeks together. And we've discovered that there are really three calls that the Lord gives to His people. The first call is the call to come to me, and it's a call to belong. The second call is to come after me, and it is the call to believe. The third call, which we're going to unpack this morning, is the call to come with me, and it's the call To become. Each of these are illustrated throughout the scriptures. Two weeks ago, on the 13th of January, we looked at come to me. He said it to them in Matthew chapter 10, 14 and 15. These words are recorded for us. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Come to me like little children. And in this calling from the Lord, we discover that when we come to Jesus, 
we find out that our primary identity is to be a child of God. Before I'm anything else, I'm his child. Tom illustrated it this morning beautifully when he's talking about his granddaughter who just, you know, who he just loves to be able to hold and carry and wrap his arms around. That's the way Jesus invites us to come to him first and foremost as a child before you're anything else. You're invited to be a child of his. It's an invitation to belong, to be adopted into the family. It's the story of Bernie that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. The developmentally disabled young man who discovered good news. Jesus loves me. It's the best news of all. I hope it's news that that continues to captivate your heart over and over and over again. You see, with all of these calls, we never graduate from them. We simply rediscover them at deeper levels throughout our life. So he wants you to hear afresh and anew this morning. You're his. You're his child. And that's your primary identity when you come to him. The second is to come after me. The scripture that we unpacked last week is, he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And last week we looked at that passage of scripture um, phrase by phrase to sort of understand at a more deep level exactly what that means in our lives. And foundationally, what I want us to grab hold of this morning and remind us of is this. When we come after Jesus, we we discover that our primary vocation is to be a follower of God. Now, you all have many different occupations. Many different things that you, quote, do in your life. But all of them are simply outworkings of your primary vocation, The vocation which every single one of us is called into is to be a follower of God. Your identity is as a child. Your vocation is as a follower. I'm a Christ follower. This is that discipleship calling. It's the invitation to become to come after him, to pattern our lives. He's the master. He's the one whom we are pursuing and following throughout our lives. Okay? Everybody with me so far? Nod your head, yes? Or no? Okay. All right. You're there. All right? Now, when we hear the invitation to come with me, This is an invitation beyond that belonging and believing, or maybe not beyond that, alongside of that, but a a, a deepening call in our lives. And the call to come with me is beautifully illustrated in Mark chapter 3. This is the place in the scripture where, where Jesus is designating his 12 apostles. You can turn there if you'd like to. Mark chapter 3. 
The crowds are following Jesus. Verse 7 tells us he withdrew from his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Udumea, and the regions across the Jordan, around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him, for he had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. And whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You're the Son of God. And he told them, gave them strict orders not to tell them who he was. And then in the midst of this growing um, popularity, this growing notoriety, the growing crowds, it tells us that he went up onto a mountainside and he called to him those that he wanted and they came to him. Now, this is really interesting. I, if so, I, I discovered this some time back, and I, it just absolutely um, sort of revolutionized, in some ways, my ways of understanding how, what, what it is to, to, to come with Jesus. It, it, it says he appointed 12 in this whole apostolic calling. He appointed 12 that they might be with him. Isn't that interesting? He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And we're going to get to that sending them out part because it's intricately connected with that call to be with him. But before the call to be sent happens, there's the call to be with him. And I'm afraid that for many of us, including myself, I've, I've been compelled and I've been motivated by the, the call to go, which we're going to get to, because it is a call, when the, the call, but the call to go happens as a result of the invitation to be with Him. There's an order here. A chronological order in terms of how God intends to release us into His mission. We're not going to be a very effective in the sent part if we're not first abiding in the with part. You see, when we come with Jesus we discover that our primary destiny, and I love that word destiny because it's, it, 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 it speaks more of a journey than a destination. I mean, the destination is, is, is somewhere where we're headed, but the destiny is that outworking, it's the calling, it's the journey, it's the unfolding of that in our lives. And we discover that our primary destiny is to be a friend of God. I would love that to be the moniker placed on my life at the end of my life. I don't know. Do you ever think about those things? I mean, I happened to see in the newspaper today, I don't know if anybody else saw it. It was kind of an interesting story, but this guy died. He was 88 years old. I don't even know where it was. Somewhere in the country. And um, he, he, um, he loved fast food. And so when they did the, from the, 
the journey from the um, site where the, you know, the funeral was held and they were going to the cemetery and they were in procession, they went through Burger King drive-in. And they each ordered a Big Mac Jr. And the widow said, well, this, you know, this was his final Big Mac. And there's the picture of her at the gravesite. Here's the casket with the flowers. And she's putting the Big Mac Jr. on his coffin. Okay, now, I'm sure it felt very sweet at the time. And it was moving for the family. And I don't want to be, I'm, I'm not... You know, but I really don't want my final thoughts about me to be a Big Mac Junior, or a, you know, or a or a whatever Burger King has. It's not a Big Mac. What? Whopper Junior. Sorry, here I'm messing up the story. I got my Big Macs and Burger Kings all mixed up. So it's Whopper Junior. I really don't want that to be the final, like, thing that people remember about my life. He really liked Whopper Juniors, okay? All right. Bring me the Oreos before I die, okay? So You don't need to put them on my coffin. All right. But what I really want, I mean, really, very seriously, for all of us, what, what is it that you want to be known for at the end of your life? I'd I'd like to be known as a friend of God. And I believe that's true for you too because that's that's the ultimate destiny that he's inviting us into. That's, That's the call to come with him. It's a call into intimacy, which is why we spent some time this morning in a sense, you know, demonstrating or or, or practicing for, for wedding day And we're going to stand before him and say, you are wonderful and beautiful, glorious and matchless in every way. I got nothing else to say, but you are wonderful and beautiful. That's the intimacy that he's inviting us into. Remember in John chapter 15, Jesus is with his disciples. This is nearing the very end of his life and so he's having conversation with them and there's this wonderful passage in John 15 and I I started in verse 9 but we could start all the way at the beginning of the chapter but just for the sake of time here we'll we'll start in verse 9 I encourage you again it's a a wonderful chapter you many of you know it well he says as the fathers loved me so I've loved you now remain or abide is the word as well uh, in many translations, abide or remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Now greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call, listen to this, I no longer call you servants because the servant does not know his master's business. Instead, say it with me, I have called you friends. Say it again with me. I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father I made known to you. 
You didn't choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Okay? Let's go back again for a moment. Jesus, he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. I have called you friends and I have appointed you to go and bear fruit. I've called you to be with me in friendship, in relationship, in intimacy with me in order that I might send you because I have appointed you to go out and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Throughout this passage in John 15, there's a progression from fruit to more fruit to much fruit to fruit that will remain. That's that's also a great picture of kind of the ongoing journey of our life. As the more we are with Him, the greater amount and the greater... um, Uh, lastingness of the fruit that we will bear will be. That wasn't very good English, but try to get my point, okay? So the quantity of the fruit and the quality of the fruit increases as a direct indirect relationship with our intimacy, our being with him. Okay, did everybody catch that that time? Did that make sense? The quantity and quality of fruit is directly proportional to the intimacy of our being with Him. The more we're with Him, the more fruit and better fruit there will be through our lives. Okay? As a friend of God, we're appointed to go and bear fruit. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit, fruit that will remain. Okay? It's not in the notes, but it's in God's heart <laughs> and in his word. So, catch it. All right, let's go to Luke 9. We've unpacked this scripture in the past, but I want to just remind you of a couple things in the context of coming with Jesus. It says, when Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power to drive out all demons cure diseases, and sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So he called them, he gave them, and he sent them. Called, gave, sent. He called them. We have authority because of our position in Christ. This is critical to our understanding because when you are living your life out wherever it is that you are living it out, as a child of God, as a follower of Christ, and as a friend of God, you have a particular position. It doesn't matter what your position on the organizational chart is or what particular grade level you are in school or what your position is in terms of you know, what what your ranking in your school class is. You have a position in Christ that gives you an authority. I don't think we get this (laughs) very well. I don't. 
I don't. I, I, I get glimpses of it, but I think God wants to help us get it better, <laughs> deeper. We have a position that gives us an authority. And it's because he's called us. Because he's called us to come to him and after him and with him. All right? Then he gives us something. Well, what, is, what did he give them? Well, he gave them abilities through the power in the Holy Spirit. So he gave them abilities. So not only do I have authority, but I've got abilities. Can I give you a newsflash? The gifts of the Spirit as expressed in the scriptures, are not only intended to be contained when you gather together on Sunday morning. This is, or, or in your, you know, mosaic missional community or your connect group or whatever it is that you're in, whatever relationships. I mean, those are wonderful and they're great places and safe places, but, but God actually wants to give you wisdom at your work. He'd like to give you word of knowledges related to perhaps people or projects or stuff going on where you're at. He does that. He wants to do that all the time. Gifts of healing aren't only for at the altar. It's really wonderful when God heals people at the altar. It's really cool when he heals people out on the sidewalk. He gives us ability for the power of the Holy Spirit. So we've got authority because of position, ability through the power, and then he sent them. We have authorization to fulfill the purposes of the Father. We have the papers that say we get to do the stuff. We get to do kingdom stuff. We're authorized to do the purposes of the Father. The purposes of the Father are reconciling all things to himself. He's doing that. His authorization, he's all about justice. He's all about bringing peace. He's all about bringing righteousness. He's all about releasing his joy. And so we're authorized to fulfill the purposes of the Father where we are. Do you understand this? We don't only fulfill the purposes of the Father by showing up for a couple hours on Sunday morning. That's part of it. Because we must gather together. We are the ecclesia, the called together. You know, we're called the gathered ones. We're gathering. But we gather for the purpose of being prepared to be sent again. To go. Now, you know, my life is very different than it was, obviously, 30 plus years ago. But when I was in college, or when I was in high school in college, I worked, um, I worked in a pizza place. This was, a, this was not your, like, typical pizza place. This was a really the best, yes. <laughs> Great pizza place. Okay. So down in Homewood, Aurelio's Pizza. Seated 400. The restaurant seated 400 people. There'd be an hour wait on weekends. Two hour wait to get a seat. All right? So it was happening place. But one summer, I, was, I, had, I had just 
the, the, the year before my freshman year in college is when I received baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I was just way activated in the Spirit, okay? You know, I love, do you, I just love our apprentices. I love being around them. I love their energy. I love their vitality. That was me when I was 19, okay? I was just ready to take on anything. So I would, you know, restaurants are their own sort of unique subculture, okay? Particularly a restaurant that's open from, you know, 4 to 2 in the morning, all right? You just, you're, you're not, you don't have any connection with the rest of the outside world. <laughs> Everything just sort of gets in here. Every day I prayed that the Lord would give me an opportunity to share with someone about Christ in some way. Guess what? Every day he did. I was 19, 18, 19 years old, counseling, you know, 45-year-old waitresses, 50, you know, whether dealing with their kids and doing with this and praying with them and doing whatever. God gives us the authorization to fulfill his purposes. By the way, I worked really hard. I was a busboy. I was a really good busboy. All the waitresses wanted me, you know, because I worked really, really hard. I did my job well. I wasn't there for exclusively the purpose of it being my own evangelistic crusade. I was working, but I had credibility to be able to begin to speak into lives. That's what he wants for you. (laughs) All right? You okay? Luke 9, 6. So they set out and went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. That sounds fun. Now, we've looked at this in various ways, again, throughout the years, but let me just kind of, I'm kind of pulling different pieces that we've talked about different times, bringing them together. So there's really three ways. Whoops, that was supposed to be, I don't know where this is. I have no idea what just happened. There we go. All right. The word, first of all, the word is declaring. So we're appointed to go and bear fruit as we represent him in word, declaring the truth of the kingdom. Through works, depicting the love of the kingdom. And through wonders, demonstrating the power of the kingdom. So there's three ways in which, so put the Acts 4.13 underneath what we're doing here. I'm going to get to that in a moment. But when they went out and proclaimed the good news and healing people everywhere, we're appointed to go and bear fruit by representing Jesus in word as we declare the truth of the kingdom, in works as we depict the love of the kingdom, and wonders as we demonstrate the power of the kingdom. So sometimes it's through the things that we say, probably even with more frequency, it's the things that we do. Just, do you know what? You can can demonstrate, you can depict the, the love of the kingdom simply by being kind to people. Do you know how abrasive and harsh our world is? It's, it's, it's brutal. That person, that clerk, that waitress, the one, 
a smile, a kind word, can be a cup of cold water to somebody in the midst of a really long, hard day. It doesn't always take a lot, but it does take paying attention and depicting the love and demonstrating the power, just being ready at any moment to begin to pray with people. As part of Mission St. Paul, many of you, you, you know, I've been going out and praying through the various precincts in Ward 1 and praying on the streets. And I know that I've been praying for some people who are um, way over on the gray side of life. I mean, way, way over on the gray side. But you know what? They're concerned about their babies. They're concerned about their friend who's got cancer. They're concerned about stuff. And we get to demonstrate... We get to depict the love of God, and we can demonstrate the power. We can pray for God to break through, to break in, to bring healing, to touch, to deliver, to free. He wants to do it. Acts 4.13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So this is in Acts 4 when the chief mucky mucks, the religious folks, got together and said, what are you doing? Who are these people? They're out there. They're healed. You know, some some guy had been healed, and now they're kind of before the tribunal to say, you know, what's going on? Why are you doing this? But I love this. They took note. They, you know, they were unschooled, ordinary men. Anybody here unschooled and ordinary? I mean, you know, whatever. I feel unschooled and ordinary. Okay? Doesn't matter what letters are after my name. I'm, you know, we're just ordinary. But they've been with Jesus. Well, I'm just a. There are no just us in God's kingdom. There aren't. Just a housewife. Or I'm just a. Whatever it is that I'm just a of. You're not just a. You're a child of God. Who is a follower of Christ. Who is a friend of God. Who has a position which gives you authority in Christ. Who has been given abilities through the power of the Holy Spirit. So you are authorized to go out. And to fulfill the purposes of the Father. Right. We're at the end of today's message. I want to come back to a couple of scriptures that are connected to our engaging. The year to engage. It says, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And remember Haggai 2.4, be strong all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. These are the, these are the two key scriptures that God has given us for this year. As each part does its work, be strong all you people of the land and work. And, and I was reading this, and it's going to sound kind of funny, but I, I've, you know, because we've been just taking the phrase and ending it with and work, but the next phrase is, for 
I am with you. Declares the Lord Almighty. He calls us to be with Him. Because He's with us. Together. Corporately. We are called together to come with Him into His mission and to bear much fruit that will remain. This is not simply an individual call. I don't know how to take the picture of the bike that we began with and the road to life, but maybe we're like on a, you know, we're on this thing together. It's either like one huge tandem bike or, or, you know, whatever that would be, you know, or there's lots and lots and lots of, think about a whole flotilla of bikes going together. Jesus is there with us saying, paddle, here we go. It's going to get fun. It's going to get interesting. Come with me. I love what's happening with our alpha for ESOL. We've got four languages going, okay? So we're doing it in Korean and Nepali and Aromo and English. But now we've got Chinese students coming, a couple of them. That wasn't in the plan. One of them who came last, just last Sunday for the first time with one of our members here, received Christ. Sitting at a table with the McCormicks over here, Brian got to take him out, share a story, and she's ready. Love it. God's, I mean, there's, yeah, again, you can't dream this stuff up, but it's with, with each part doing its work. It's when we're all doing our part. We're all working at this together. And the Lord is with us and will continue to be with us. It's so exciting. And it's not just what's happening in the house, but it's happening, what's happening out where you are. Together. Maybe God wants to begin to connect you with other people who are in your, maybe it's, you know, there's a group of guys that meet here every other Saturday morning, have been meeting together for years. I think with the purpose really of encouraging one another as they're living out being friends of God in their particular places where they're at, where they're working, where they're doing their work. Maybe God wants to hook you up with some other believers either in your workplace or within the body who will, who will pray with you and encourage you. You know, people at a particular season of life, maybe it's moms with kids or different stages or ages of life or whatever, but we're together pressing out and pressing in. And God opens doors. He just does. He's faithful. He's making a way for you to fulfill the purposes of the Father. Come on up, worship team. We're going to close here. I just really sense that we, I just want to make a sort of a, a corporate invitation this morning rather than even an individual one, though 
individually, we've got to respond in order for it to be a corporate response. But, but I really hear the voice of the Lord continuing to, to say to Bethel Christian Fellowship, come with me. <sighs> into the work into which I've called you. As I've called you to radiate life and joy as a house of prayer for all nations, come. Come in. Um, draw us, Lord, into the full purposes of what you have for us. <sighs> I think it's going to be a season of increasing fruitfulness, and we're going to see fruit that will remain. I think he's going to continue to release salvation over the house. I think there are more nations and actually even more churches in the family of churches that he wants to bring in and release. I can't tell you what all of that looks like yet, but it's going to happen as we come with him. I figured this out. I don't know if you have yet, but his ways are not our ways. His thoughts aren't ours. So it often looks and happens differently than how I expect. When elders meeting Thursday night, God's, I mean, (laughs) there are some things that we are being invited into as a congregation that God is opening doors to that aren't things I I particularly would have been able to dream up. Um, But they smell like Jesus, so we're opening our hands and saying, yes, Lord. We'll talk some more about some of those uh, Saturday. I really do encourage you to come for the annual celebration. It's, there's a lot of vision that we want to release out, kind of take the, the big vision of engagement and talk about it in very concrete terms. So come and join us. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, this morning, we receive the truth that we have just been declaring in song. You are bigger than every battle. You are greater and you do not fail us. The Lord, our heart and our flesh, sometimes they fail us. But Jesus, you are greater than even our heart and our flesh and you never fail. So we thank you and receive that truth this morning. For each one here today, I pray that you would release, Lord, the truth of what you have spoken into our lives this day, deep, and may it find a home, may it find good soil, and might it grow up in our lives to bear much fruit that will remain. And now together, with hands together still, I pray for this congregation, Bethel Christian Fellowship, and for the Bethel family of churches, that we might be filled afresh together with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, and with the inexhaustible strength, power, comfort, and hope of the Holy Spirit, to be with you and yours as we go from this house to our various homes. Sent to make disciples of all nations, go with the banner of his favor over your life. And until we gather again, either in this house or in our eternal home, 
I bless you, people of God, and pray that his love and mercy will chase you down for his glory and praise. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.